Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hey folks, welcome into Onto Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney, here to talk about the undefeated Chicago Cubs, if you date it back to yesterday. Um, before that, of course, they lost a number of games. We will talk about those as well. <laughs> but maybe let's start somewhere nice. You know, let's start with the fact that Marcus Stroman just threw arguably the best uh, start by a Chicago Cubs starting pitcher since at least Jake Arrieta's first no-hitter, the one against the Dodgers. I mean, I think you could make a pretty good argument that it was actually a better performance than Arietta's second no-hitter against the Reds. Um, and, you know, talk about the fact that that was the best offense in baseball that he just shut down, allowing only one hit, one walk, and a hit batter. Um, I mean, and he was just never really threatened, completely dotting everything, you know, particularly coming off a four-game losing streak and the sweep by the Reds, which we'll get to in a moment. I thought that was a tremendously impressive performance, just in every way you could describe it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think by game score, it was the best since that outing, right? And then if you put context into it, I think it, it like, solidifies that it's at least the best since that outing, if not better than... uh you know, many other outings it, it uh, playing against the Rays, an offense that is so far above everyone else's. I was looking at some of the numbers, I think seven did I, I wrote this either six or seven of the guys in the lineup on that day had a 140 or better WRC plus. I mean, that's that's completely insane. Just an awesome offense. One nothing game for much of that. So he knows that the bullpen has not been uh, pitching well has to like knows how important it is to complete that game on a four game losing streak all the context there makes it so much more impressive one game so many more issues for the team beyond that but for one day you could kind of put everything to the side and say okay look what Marcus Stroman did that was amazing uh, and then obviously Ken's piece uh, from earlier in the weekend about Marcus wanting to stay with the team, wanting an extension, not wanting to be a part of a potential sell-off, which, I mean, we'll have to talk about that this podcast, but uh, the the idea of extending Marcus Stroman was something that I hadn't really thought much about uh, just because of his age, and, and I figured the Cubs may go in a different direction, uh, 
he seems to love it here and he's thriving at the moment. Uh, I, you know, I'm still kind of on the fence about whether that's the best uh, plan. I know Cubs fans are like, who cares? This team will never compete again type situation. But, but I think the, the front office has to think about um, not only trying to get back on track for 2023, but how do they really put together an, uh, a contender for 24 and 25? Cause there's nothing, you know, that there's no way you can get away with uh, this type of performance going forward. The Cubs absolutely needed this, and when you look back in recent years, they've had these slides where the you know two or three game losing streak all of a sudden becomes like eleven, and they needed someone to step up big time, preferably a starting pitcher, and that was Stroman. And you know, I think the timing of Ken's piece was just. <laughs> Ken was on the field, uh, you know, during batting practice or pregame, and Stroman walked by, and you know, he he got him, and uh, I thought it was great timing. It wasn't like Stroman trying to send a message or anything like that. Like he's been up front from the start uh, that he's not afraid to, you know, pitch on one year deals or you know, pitch for his next uh, deal, and you know, I think the extending Stroman conversation is kind of a nuanced one and not really one that's germane right now because I don't think that's where uh, Jed Hoyer's head is at right now. They have two months to decide that, but like the reality sinking in of like they absolutely needed to turn this around ASAP is front of mind in the clubhouse. I talked to a player the other day, you know, who was saying like, you know, we have to pick it up. Like they are very much aware of you know, where things are trending and the history of this front office. So uh, one game won't change that calculus, but uh, if they continue to get great starting pitching, it'll buy some time for the offense to get hot again, maybe sort out this bullpen. Uh, you know, don't have a a huge amount of confidence right at this exact moment, but they have a track record of doing that. So we'll see. Yeah. You, for all the reasons you praise Stroman about that start are all the reasons why the Cubs don't win that game unless exactly that happens from Stroman. And that's a reminder that, you know, by and large, they were set to lose their fifth in a row and only by Stroman taking the entire game on his back. Did they not, lose that game and we'll leave I think I agree with you that the you know conversations about whether to extend Stroman at what level it makes sense for him to forego you know he obviously has the right to opt out after this season and if he goes anything remotely like what he's been going he's of course going to age 32 um you know it is it's a layered discussion because of the trade deadline because the preparations are going to need to be made in a month, month and a half, uh, to try to figure out if there's what the market looks like and kind of lay those plans. I don't want to lose sight of the fact either that, um, you have a burden hand, you know, this, this is a guy who's been really exactly what he was supposed to be the last couple of years, by and large with the Cubs. And, um, he's very athletic, so he projects to age well. Um, you know, he's not, heavily reliant on velocity there's there's a lot of reasons that you would want to bet on him for so many years ahead um the rub there is that one area where we 
or at least I feel relatively strong about over the next three to five years is, is on the Cubs starting pitching side internally. I actually do feel very good about what they have coming in that medium term. And the free agent class is actually pretty strong in starting pitching this, this one. And there's a chance that the Cubs might want an opportunity to explore that. And so at a price point that would make sense for them to forego that opportunity, that might be too low for Stroman himself to say, yeah, yeah, I'll sign up with that. So that's why I'm kind of with Mooney. I, I leave it. It was good to know. I'm glad Ken Rosenthal got that information and that Stroman has been so forthright, but I think it's going to be a conversation probably for July um, when, when whatever plans are being made. So to that end, let's, let's turn to that because like I said, if not for Stroman's performance in that game, the Cubs lose their fifth straight, um, which necessarily means, as you all saw, they were swept by the Reds at home, uh, mostly non-competitive games. Uh, that can't happen. You know, I'll rarely, I rarely will go there with any one series, let alone any one game. But at this moment in this season, if the Cubs want to not sell off, you cannot be getting swept at home by the Reds in the middle of a stretch where you're facing the best teams in baseball. Um, it was really, it was really telling, I think, that you could see across the fan base um, a lot of resignation. In, in that series, there wasn't really, there actually wasn't a ton of anger. There wasn't a lot of sadness. It was just, uh, oh, okay, so that's what this is. All right, well, see ya. Um, and I hope that's not what actually happens, but I just, I can't blame anyone that that was the feeling they got because that is a punishingly bad series to be swept in right now at this time for this team. You know, did it? I, I didn't watch every game. Okay, I, I can admit that I, I watched a, a lot of it in the background uh, Saturday and Sunday because I was off. But I felt like every single time Cincinnati had a runner on base, that guy was scoring. Like they, they could not. It didn't matter. Like there was times I, I remember looking up because I wanted to keep an eye on Tyon, and I was out at a friend's place. But I just kept looking up, checking on, and it was like, oh, he looks pretty good. Oh, he's doing okay. Oh, he only got one runner on. That runner scores. It did not matter. It, it just it seemed like they were doing exactly what the Cubs have struggled for to do for the past month plus, right? And it was just that's not that's not to say the Cubs are you know the Reds are so much better at doing that than the Cubs. It was just one of those weekends where. The Reds just did everything that you're searching for the Cubs to do uh, for the past month. And it just that that felt like an extra twist of the knife almost where they like you said, they can't lose that series. That's a series that, uh, you know, I believe we went into saying, well, this is this is a chance for the Cubs to get right. They took two of three from a, a solid Mets team and, and they have to. I mean. It's unacceptable to lose two of three in that situation with where the Cubs are headed, what has happened. Uh, they're trying to get back in a race, and you're losing to a team that is rebuilding like you supposedly are not doing anymore, right? Uh, it it just was – I mean, they had leads multiple times, blue leads. Uh, just everything that went uh, – everything that could go wrong went wrong. Uh Part of me watching some of that was I was thinking, how how do we still blame David Ross here? 
uh, he's been asked to, to try different relievers. So many fans have been claiming Jeremiah Estrada needs to be in these high leverage moments. I'll give him props for that bases loaded jam that he got out of, uh, you know, what, what was that now a week ago against the, the Mets? Uh, other than that, he has not looked good despite solid ERA and results. I, I said this before, but he really concerns me with the walks and the hard contact. And that's what sunk him over the weekend. Walks and hard contact. He's right now he needs to like he needs to fix where he's throwing the ball and start throwing more than just, you know, fourteen straight fastballs. He doesn't have the command and he doesn't have the trust in his slider. Uh it, it's a it's a pretty tough situation. So when when you say like Ross needs to go to different guys, he's pushing every button he can. He's trying different things. I'm not saying he's the right man and he is, he's the perfect uh, person for this job. I'm saying there's a lot of blame to go around here right now. This isn't just on Ross. Ross is trying different things. It's not like he keeps going to only Michael Fulmer. Uh, he's he's trying different names. He's trying different relievers. I mean, if Michael Fulmer can't get out of a sixth inning situation or whatever that was, a fifth inning situation... Uh, I mean, he's, it's not like he's going to him to close the games. Like these guys, he, Ross even said it. He said, I was, you know, I I was trying to leverage guys in the sixth and seventh inning. That wasn't working for me because then the eighth and ninth became a problem. So now I'm trying to save those guys for the eighth and ninth. And I can't even get to them in the eighth and ninth. So he's, I mean, this isn't just on him. The players need to execute. And Jed Hoyer admitted he didn't get him the players that he needs for the, especially for his bullpen. Uh, it's a you know I I know Ross has become a scapegoat. I think right now it's what was what was the phrase Jed used last year, Patrick? Uh, a multi-system failure yeah. is yeah. that it? I I think that that applies much more this season because last year we just nobody expected that team to re- like maybe they could be okay and they ended up being a seventy-four win team and I think you know that was probably pushing what would a, a really good case scenario would be. This is the team that we said. Okay, you know, good scenarios, 82-ish wins. Great scenario is 89, right? They're, right now, it doesn't look like that. Right now, it looks like 74 would be the good scenario, right? So that's that's they're, they're far from where they need to be, and there's blame just to be spread all over the place right now. And and I, I didn't go through the offseason saying Jed Hoyer had to, like, get the bullpen and spend a ton of money on the bullpen. I don't think that's, I don't want to revise history here. Uh, it's just that they didn't get it right. And, and the bottom line has to be, uh, did you get it right? And right now we, we, we can't say that they did there. There's time to turn it around. There's time to get different bullpen pieces. I don't really, I'm not confident in that, but you know, things can change, but for now, we're at Memorial Day. We're past Memorial Day weekend, and and it doesn't look so hot. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. There were these little moments, too, that stood out and perhaps illuminated larger issues, whether it was just those back-breaking 
two-out hits that the Reds just kept getting against whatever reliever was thrown in there. You had, you know, I don't know what was going on. Like, there was so much going on, I couldn't ask about it. But, like, Jan Gomes, Patrick Wisdom, Trey Mancini on these pop-ups, like, nearly running into each other. Like, when I'm in the press box, could hear someone yelling, I got it. Like, why are you guys almost slamming into each other? They missed one, and then I think Gomes caught the other. Uh, Christopher Morell tagging up too early uh, from first base to second base. And that was one, you know, from the press box, I was like, oh, that looked like he went early. But, you know, you're so far up there. Who knows? And I just saw the Reds first baseman just kind of like yell over and like squeeze his glove. Double play. Not that they were necessarily going to win that game. But it's like those things like that don't reflect well on the coaching staff. And you look at... You know, I'm sure Red fans are probably like sick of their team over the last couple of years, but you know, watching them for a weekend, like and looking them up on Baseball Reference, guys, had not really heard of. They have a really good collection of young players, like the type of players you think if you listen to Cubs officials over the years, like oh, that's kind of what we're building and what we have now, and didn't haven't really seen that yet, uh, and clearly. There should be more pitching options bubbling up from the farm system by now. And we're not asking, you know, no one's asking for like Hunter Green throwing 100 miles an hour and throwing no hitters. But like, I don't know, any sort of viable reliever for the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth innings. Like there should be just more of that now. And, you know, I don't think it's, you know, it all has to be viewed in the context here, right? Of like, you know, Jed's time here started with the business side handcuffing him and telling him to just shed salary immediately so he's boxed in there and then david ross has to work with the talent uh he's given with and that is you know in part what the cubs do internationally in the draft in the farm system and like all of these things uh, are coming together really quickly uh and at just a way too early point in the season. Like, I think we've all tried to show restraint here. No one wants to be, like, uh, you know, uh, pulling the panic lever uh, this, you know, in April. Or, like, oh, it was one bad game or one bad series. Like, this is a culmination of a lot of uh, issues over there. I mean, I literally asked yeah, I asked Carter Hawkins about, like, adding at the trade deadline at the beginning of May. Because that's where the Cubs were at that point. And then, okay, let's wait a month. Let's see what happens. Uh, you know, you look really foolish either way uh, if you overreact to one game or one series. But, like, the sample size, the body of evidence here is uh, rather large, and the Cubs don't have a lot of time to fit. They got two months and a really rugged schedule coming up here. And not even, right, because the plans are going to be – you know, yeah. wheels are going to have to be put into motion sooner than that. Yeah, I think – Multi-system failure, that's good. That, that I think, as we talk through these things, that really does hit. Because, on the one hand, I, I you know, it, because we're two months in, and because there has been so much disappointment and failure, I have a hard time talking fans down from being very upset about this or that. Uh, because, you know, at some point, it's you are what you are. And when it comes to the David Ross stuff... I think a manager always shoulders too much of the blame, 
when things are going poorly. That's just a baseball truism, and it's no different here. Ross is not nearly as bad as the the his worst critics make him out to be. He probably isn't as good as his best supporters made him out to be when he was like the next hot managerial candidate, right? He's somewhere in between. And I think what happens is when you have a team that's that has disappointed in the way that this team has and has is what 10 games under 500 in one run games, maybe maybe 9 games under 500 after yesterday, all the little stuff gets magnified. And so it becomes very easy to pick the one thing, you know, all capital letters that's that's causing this this failure. You know, this Jed Hoyer didn't get the right players. They didn't promote the right players at the right time. David Ross isn't setting the right lineups. He's not using his bullpen right. This guy is making too many errors. This particular injury is causing the issues. And it's it's not. It's all that stuff. And in some days it it's this part that bites you, some days it's that part. The one for now that I think is very fair to harp on and sort of kind of like you were saying Mooney you know, you don't want to, you don't want to be too early in, in making declarations of the problem. But I think it is not too early to say that when this bullpen was constructed and the depth behind it was selected and preserved, the Cubs got a lot of it wrong. Period. You know, you look at this isn't to single out Keegan Thompson as like a he's not the guy who caused this failing, but he's a good example of the warning signs were there in spring training. There were, you know. If you were very, very good at understanding your own players and projecting out their performance, you might have had enough warning signs in spring training to know, okay, there are issues. We need to step back with him and get him right before we rely on him too heavily and before it's late May and he's struggling brutally at Iowa. And so I I do question because it, that whole group of relievers that went to Iowa to open the season, it was like, wow, they have so much quality depth. It's going to be very easy for them to, to shuttle guys up and down and, and backfill. And yet not only failings at the big league level in the guys, the veterans that the Cubs chose, but you also had, if, if you dig in, a lot of those guys at Iowa are really not, they're not forcing the issue right now. A lot of them do not look ready. And your comments on Jeremiah Estrada are well taken, Sadev, because he's a guy who... No one would argue that in a, in a raw sense, that's a big league fastball. That is a good big league fastball. And when he has the slider, it's a really good slider. It's a really good big league slider. But he's not consistently locating the fastball in the upper third of the zone, which is where that particular fastball has to live or he gets wrecked. And it seems like he never throws the slider, which means he doesn't have it that day, which means all you've got to do as a hitter is is sit middle middle on the fastball and that's that's how a guy with pitches like that ends up having like the highest exit velocity in baseball that's how because pit because batters can eliminate huge chunks of the zone they can eliminate the slider completely and they're just they're sitting on one pitch so that's a guy who shouldn't have to be relied on in high leverage yeah maybe you give him a taste and but like this bullpen was not constructed to have to rely on that and so there have clearly been many layers of failing in the bullpen, which isn't to take it away from the players. Like some guys have underperformed. Some guys are doing their own failing. It's not just, it's not always about like the organization and the manager for his deployment. So that's an area where I have significant concerns going forward, because especially when you're playing these close games, it is true that bullpen struggles will be magnified. And I don't know. I, I think the, 
we've talked about this a couple weeks ago, the rapidity with which the Cubs have converted some of their starting pitching prospects to relief this year. I'm not saying it's expressly because they're going to try to rocket these guys to the big leagues because they're like panicking about the big league bullpen, but I'm not saying it's not about that. I'm not saying there isn't some consideration there to that. Well, the thing with that is, is it, is it going to be too late? Right. We, you know, I, I do think it is important to point out how weak this division is, but we all know what the upcoming schedule is. Are we going to be, you know, two weeks from now, is it still, well, the division's so weak and the Cubs are only four and a half games out. I mean, if they were only four and a half games out, that means they played pretty well because in all likelihood, it's going to, it, you're going to have to play about 500 baseball over the next two weeks to kind of keep it, to kind of stick with this. That's, I mean, in a normal scenario, if they hadn't collapsed already, we'd be looking at 500 over the next 12 games would be great. You know, if you can take one of these next two against the Rays and go five and five on the road in on a really daunting West Coast trip, that normally is good. That's not going, I mean, it's it may end up being fine, but we can't keep saying that the, the division is so weak, right? This is... I guess, like, I can't, I'm still struggling to get over the fact that they missed, I like, I really feel like they missed their chance to weather these storms by racking up wins early, right? All these, like, tough moments would be acceptable if they had gotten the wins that they should have, we'd right? Be talking you can about, even have, we'd be talking right. about all this completely differently. Even if all right, the performances right. have been the same, we'd be talking about this yes. differently. And even the Red Series would just be like, wow, that's rough. They're going through a really rough patch right now. Luckily, they're, you know, they're only a game out of first place and X games number over and they're in a weak division. If they can weather this storm, they'll be fine. They they missed a huge opportunity early and now they've dug themselves a hole and we don't have any trust that they can get out of it because we've seen nothing outside of three weeks in April that made us believe that this team is solid. There are pieces here, right? There are things like, and which should make it all the more frustrating because there are seasons that are happening like Marcus Stroman's that, that you're like, wow, you really don't want to waste that. And and they're, they're two months into it. They're, it, it looks like they're going to be wasting some really strong seasons. Uh, it, we also have to make sure that we don't, you know, we don't give breaks to the players that are, you know, that there's players like Nico Horner who just like Nico Horner has not looked good since coming back from, I, I should say Nico Horner is an elite defensive player and always looks good at defense. Right. But he has like a two ninety on base percentage since coming back from the IL. Like that's your leadoff guy. And, and people are upset that he was taken out of the leadoff spot. He can't be leading off if his, if his on-base percentage is below 300, right? He's had a great season so far. It's, I think it's like 100 weighted runs created plus, something like that. Not, not elite, but with the defense, it, 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 you know, it plays, it works. I'm just saying, like, there, nobody is, you know, it's not like anybody is absolved from the issues here. There, there's a lot of blame to go around, uh, I was a little surprised to see that when I looked up. I was like, huh, he moved Nico out of the leadoff spot. Oh, my God. Nico has a 290 on base percentage since coming back from the IL. Okay, that's rough. Uh, 
So like there, there are things like that, that we, we almost overlook the players that we trust at times and that they're just like, everybody has their moments of scuffling. I'm not saying Nico Horner's a problem going forward. I'm just saying uh, when things go bad, a lot of players are, are kind of in the depths of it. I mean, who's been the Cubs best reliever this year? I mean, probably Mark Leiter Jr., right? I mean, right. the Cubs designated him for assignment on January 13th. <laughs> and I think this speaks to of like, what do they have here? And like, how do the pieces fit together? And like, where is some of the conviction? I mean, that's a great call on Nico that, you know, he's just in the lineup as long as he's healthy and you'll get you know, a great run out of him, you know, by the end of the year, but it's capturing a great season from Strowman. It's say a Suzuki, like hitting when it, when it matters and, you know, kind of not getting hot right when the season goes in the tank. And I think all of those things are, you know, extremely frustrating uh, for the Cubs. I mean, Jamison Tyone, I mean, just an absolute worst case scenario for him. And I think, if he was, you know, I hate to say it, but like if he was completely injured this whole time, that probably would have been better. I mean, they probably would have won one of those games. I mean, he's like a negative war player right now, right? I mean, this is the like safest guy that you probably could have signed. Like there was, I don't know, I'm sure there was someone in some corner of the internet who was complaining about it. But like otherwise, like this guy checked absolutely every single box you wanted. I mean, he's adorable track record pitched the american league east performed in new york known as an outstanding uh clubhouse guy i mean someone who loves pitching and nerding out on pitching and you know all the stuff the pitching infrastructure like blah 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 like but sometimes it doesn't work and there's just a lot of that uh happening right now at like the worst possible time and you know i think uh, you know, we talked about this in the second half of last season. Like, how predictive is some of this stuff? Or, you know, they seem to get kind of lucky in a lot of one-run games. Like, it's evened out, you know, really hard here for the Cubs over the last month. I think it's worth uh, pointing out, too, maybe wrapping this up, that, uh, you know, the Cubs indicated that Jamison Tyone was their top top choice, early targeted among the non-QO pitchers. Um Michael Fulmer, they talked to very early on, had a target, had a plan for him. They had to wait a little to, to sign him to make sure that the funds were going to be allocated, but uh, targeted him early. Brad Boxberger was signed almost immediately in the offseason. That was their other early veteran pitching target. Um, he was bad and then broke, and Michael Fulmer's been quite bad, and adding the sweeper hasn't been this miracle change, and same thing for Tyone. And I, I don't think any three data points like that are going to lead you to say oh my gosh the Cubs are terrible at selecting external and developing and working with veteran external pitchers but you know that's certainly been a factor in the losing you, you maybe you missed on those there's still time especially with Tyone I think not super worried like in terms of I think he probably finds his footing is there going to be more ceiling there I remember the Cubs saying even though he's you know 31 32 that maybe there's ceiling maybe not maybe he ends up just being sort of a steady guy but Boy, that looks pretty good right now. If he could just be a steady back of the rotation presence, because uh, it's the Cubs have not won a game that he has started yet this year. Um, all right, we've got two against the Rays to wrap up this series for the Cubs, and then they head out, as I've said, on a 
10 game West Coast road swing that is, you know, it's not dispositive of the season, but it's going to be disproportionately important because of the the calendar, because it's not late or it's not early forever, as the Cubs have said. And I think this swing is going to mean a lot on that front. And we will be there with you for all of it. Uh, next step coming on Thursday, we will talk to you. So after the rest of the race series, uh, this is on to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor. You can read my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's the Hot of Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get theirs at The Athletic. We appreciate you listening to us as always. Hope you have a good middle of your week and we'll talk to you again on Thursday. Take care.